Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. I have selected this reading today because, as Lauren mentioned, we have our Pledge Sunday next week. And even though it might seem somewhat perplexing at first, I do believe that this morning's text has a word for us here at Madison Avenue. Listen once again to God's word as it comes to us from the book of Acts, the fifth chapter, beginning with verse number one. But a man named Ananias, with the consent of his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back some of the proceeds, and brought only a part, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, and to keep back part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, were not the proceeds at your disposal? How is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You did not lie to us, but to God. Now when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard it. The young man came and wrapped up his body, then carried him and buried him. After an interval of about three hours... His wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter says to her, Tell me whether you and your husband sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately. She fell down at his feet and died. When the young men came in, they found her dead, so they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard these things. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Famous last words. Here, I'll hold it and you plug it in. Famous last words. Gee, I wonder what this tastes like. Famous last words. I can't too jump that far. Famous last words. What might be the famous last words of our story this morning? And how might it shape our life together here at Madison Avenue? Have any of you read this story before or heard it? How many of you? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, oh, more than I thought. That's wonderful. Great. Uh, When I said, this is the word of the Lord, and you said, uh, thanks be to God, some of you had a big grin across your face. And I just want you to know, I saw it. I get it. Because this is an entertaining story, I think. It's actually rather simple. The story of... Ananias and Sapphira is bizarre, but it is also intriguing. 
Ananias and his wife sell some property with the understanding that they would give all the proceeds to the church. At the last moment, with his wife's full knowledge, Ananias decides, no, 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 I will only give part of the proceeds from the sale to the church. And so when the offering plate is passed down his pew, he holds back, and he doesn't give nearly as much as he was able to give. Peter immediately realizes what's going on, and he confronts them. Ananias, why are you holding back? Why have you contrived to do this in your heart? You have not lied to us. You have lied to God. Luke says, Now when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard it. Several young men came in, picked him up, carried him outside, and buried him. Three hours later, his wife Sapphira shows up. She is not aware that she is now a widow. She has no clue what's going on. Peter says to her, uh, Sapphira, tell me whether you and your husband sold this property for such and such a price. Oh yeah, that's right. That's the price. Really? How is it that you have contrived in your heart to put the Spirit of God to the test? He and you will share the same fate. Luke says, immediately she dropped down at his feet and died. And just like with Ananias, some young men came in and picked up her dead weight and carried her outside and buried her by her husband. This is a ghastly, macabre, and rather unsettling story. What's going on? And what is Luke trying to tell us? We find a clue in the verses that immediately precede the story. In Acts 4.32 and following, Luke writes, Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of anything, but everything they owned was held in common. Great grace was upon them all. One heart and soul. That is the key to unlocking the puzzle of the story. Uh, despite our misconceptions, there never was a golden age of Christianity when everyone got along and wanted to serve together. Believers then, as believers now, whined and complained and gossiped and deceived. They worked against the Spirit. They worked against community instead of working for community. They were ever fighting over this or bickering over that. As a matter of fact, we pretty much have the New Testament today because so many churches were struggling to be faithful to Christ and to act with love towards one another. Repeatedly, repeatedly, the biblical writers remind the early believers that they are one in Jesus Christ. Despite their differences, despite their bickering, despite their doctrinal disagreements, the writers say again and again, you are one in Christ. Remember, for example, what Paul says to the church in Corinth. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. In a variety of passages like this one throughout the New Testament, the church is told again and again that we are the body of Christ, ever relying upon one another, interrelated, interdependent, interconnected. What, one, what, what affects one affects all of us so that Paul can write 
and another place when one rejoices, we all rejoice. When one weeps, we all weep. We see the Spirit reflected in, in one of the earliest symbols of the Christian church, the boat. I'm a, most of you probably already know that, but the boat, the simple boat, was an early symbol of the church. So that if you were in a crowd, for example, and you didn't know if someone beside you were a Christian, you might draw a boat with your foot, and if they would nod, they would get it. If not, you would just erase it. With their hospitality and with their acts of kindness, with their service to those in need, with their prayers, with their money, they glorified God together, counting on one another to do their part. They knew, they knew, in a way that we sometimes forget, that when it comes to faith, they were all in it together. They were all in this boat together. The reality of our interdependence remains difficult for us to appreciate even today. Blinded by Western civilization's apotheosis of the individual and the assumed autonomy of the self, churches tend to focus more on personal salvation and my personal relationship with Christ rather than the shape and the character and the ministry of God's people together. Again and again and again, as in the New Testament we do today, ignore, disregard, forget the gift of community, the gift of one another that we have in Jesus Christ. In his book, Generous Saints, James Hudnut Beamler characterizes this attitude rather well when he writes, we like to think that the money we have belongs to us and to us alone. We fear that letting our brothers and sisters know what we have opens the way for us to be compelled to share it with others. We say about our giving to the church, for example, that decision is between me and God. Uh, what we mean is it's my money and I'll decide what to do with it without your help. Thank you. Hudnut Beamler is writing about contemporary American society, but he could have written these words about Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira just didn't get it. They did not understand that their lives were inextricably intertwined with the lives of their brothers and sisters. And they didn't seem to understand that what they said or didn't say, what they did or didn't do, what they gave or didn't give, made a real difference in the life of their congregation. As we look ahead to Stewardship Sunday next week when we dedicate our pledge cards, I must admit that I love the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And I, I delight just a little bit in how shocking, uh, how shocked most of us are when we hear the story again, if not for the first time. And yet, if you look at Luke very, very closely, you will see that his tongue is in his cheek and Luke is grinning from ear to ear. Luke even flashes us a, a wink when he says that Peter asked Sapphira, uh, did you sell the land for such and such a price? <laughs> really? Such and such a price? That's a dead giveaway. Luke is not conveying the facts of an historical event. He is inviting us to behold and embrace something true about the nature of the church. Namely, we 
are all in this together. What we say or don't say, what we give or don't give, what we do or don't do affects not just us and our relationship with God, it has a profound ripple effect on our people. Remember what happens. Ananias falls down and dies. Sapphira falls down and dies. And what happens after they die? Some young men come in and they pick them up and carry them outside. What happens when they die? When they die, other people pick up their dead weight, take up their slack, and then shoulder their responsibility. Famous last words. What are Luke's famous last words for us? We're all in this together. Some of you might remember that my grandmothers had a difficult life, and this was certainly true of my father's mother. My grandmother's formal education ended when she was in the eighth grade. She got married and had six children. One of them died as a baby, an infant, when she was very, very young and left my grandmother with five children. When my father was four years old, my grandfather died in an automobile accident. And my grandmother, with her eighth grade education, was left to take care of and provide for her five children, a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a six-week-old. Her friends told her, Jereen, you can't do this. You need to divide up your children, divide them up, and send some of them to the orphanage. And she said, no, I am not going to do that. As you know, I am from a very small town in South Carolina, but she lived in the country. And when her husband died, she and her five children moved to my very small town, and she got the only job she could get, working third shift in a cotton mill. Now, whenever she could to earn more money, she worked a double shift, and that, that is how for many, many, many years, she raised a family of five, working third shift in a cotton mill. When she moved to town, however, she just didn't get a job in the cotton mill. She also joined a church and became active in the life of that congregation. And then she, and then she developed the practice of tithing. She would get her check, and then 10% went to the church week after week after week. 10% went to the church. Now, I still wish that someone could help me understand how in the world she was able to do that. And if you can do that, I hope someone can help me understand how I cannot give 10% to the church given her example and the sacrifice she made. How can I not do that as blessed as I have been? I, I uh, continue to look for ways out. No one loves money more than I do. But 25 years ago, we made the commitment to tithe, and it took a number of years for us to get up to 10%, but you, you, you should know that when I get my check, I look at it, 
goes to Madison Avenue. And I've been doing that for 25 years, whatever church that I serve in. And it's, it's no longer a burden. I don't even think about it. It just works. My grandmother set the example. Somehow my grandmother knew in a way that's taken me years to understand that we're all in this together. And her example has helped me to embrace giving, not as a burden, not as, oh, let's not talk about money. No, no, no. It, 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 for me, it's not like, oh, gosh, I've got to do this. It's more like, wow, I have this opportunity to share my blessings with God and with the people I am in ministry with. I, I, I wish my grandmother were here today. She died many years ago. I don't know what she would think about the marathon. And my guess, even though she and I never discussed it, my guess is that she would not feel particularly comfortable in New York City. She would have no way of understanding my love and passion for this wonderful metropol metropolitan area. But I wish she were here because I do think my grandmother would feel very, very comfortable with you. And maybe even more than my grandmother, I wish, I wish Ananias and Sapphira were here to experience your life and your community and your ministry. Ananias and Sapphira, I know you don't get it. I know you think faith is all about you and your relationship with God and your needs and your wants. But thanks be to God, people here at Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church do not share your attitude. Our brothers and sisters in this very place give and give and give. They give their money, they give their time, they give their sweat, they give their energy. Ananias and Sapphira, God uses our gifts and our talents to bless others. Ananias and Sapphira, for example, on Tuesday nights, once a month, we have committee night. And fellow disciples get together to organize and plan ministry for our congregation. Ananias and Sapphira, our men and women come together, and our youth, on Thursday nights to feed the hungry. Ananias and Sapphira, you don't get it. But this congregation, this congregation understands how to embrace and love and welcome people who walk through our door. Ananias and Sapphira, we serve Christ in part through the generosity of those who came before, and we stand on their broad shoulders. Because of their sacrifice with the endowment that we now enjoy, we gather continually and worship on Sunday mornings. We nurture the faith of children and the faith of adults. We teach English as a second language, and, and Ananias and Sapphira, in part due to the generosity of those who went before, when we gather for worship, we enjoy a beauty of music that leaves the angels of heaven jealous. Ananias and Sapphira, you don't get it. But this church gets it. And they celebrate their life together. Ananias and Sapphira, I know. I know that you go through your life with, clo with closed fists 
But brothers and sisters here, they go through life with their arms stretched out wide and their palms open. Ananias and Sapphira, we have so many folks in our church rowing the boat that we don't have time to rock the boat. Ananias and Sapphira, would you try us out? Ananias and Sapphira, would you join us and worship with us? Would you? Because if you do, you then would know those famous last words. We're all in this together. Amen.